or faces. I don't mean old faces. I mean <laughs> familiar faces that I haven't seen for a long time. Good to see Ruth, my friend Ruth, and uh, Sheree is back. We love her, not just for her cooking, but we love her herself. Good to see Nancy all the way from Florida. And my friend, my good buddy old pal, Pastor Dan from Erie, Pennsylvania. So good to have you visiting this morning. And um, anyway, yes, what? Um, what am I missing? Oh, yes, there's, there's, there's a lot. Like I had a feeling that we were going to see some some faces trickling in. Um, so Mike and Tina, yes. And uh, it's good to see you guys. It's been a while. All right. And as people get vaccinated or COVID-aided, we'll be seeing more trickle in. So that'll be good. We miss everyone. All right. Just one quick announcement. Um, so there's a local guy, this guy named Ryan. He just, the Lord put it on his heart to start doing these corporate worship events gatherings and uh it's powerful i would say it's one of the most powerful experiences in my life to gather with people from all different churches all different varieties of churches for the purpose of worshiping god together it is if you want to experience something life-changing and uplifting i would encourage you to try to make it to these it's going to be an ongoing thing so the next one is this coming Saturday night at 7 o'clock. It will be at the Love Church. They're going to be at different churches each time. I will put this on Facebook. You'll see it. And then on the 10th of April, we're going to host it here in our church. And I, we, Dave and I went to one a couple weeks ago. There were probably about 70 people there, and I counted at least six churches represented. And it was awesome. So put that on your calendar and watch for that on Facebook. Okay. I'm in John chapter 15 today, a chapter, a passage that perhaps you're familiar with, the vine and the branches. I said to one of my daughters, hey, I'll pay a hundred bucks if you memorize this chapter, thinking, you know, can't hurt. I really want them to know the word of God. Well, guess what? I'm out a hundred bucks. So I, I think I need to lower my... <laughs> my payment or I'm going to go broke. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're getting rich with the word of God in their hearts. The best thing my parents ever did for me. They paid me to memorize scripture and it worked. And uh, I, I thank them for that. Um, John 15, verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James translation. John 15, verse 1. This is Jesus talking. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now, why did he need to qualify that by saying, I'm the true vine? Why couldn't he have just said, I'm the vine? He said, I'm the true vine, and there's a reason. You see, Israel, the people he was talking to, God's people, the Jews, God's blessed nation, they thought they were the vine. They even had the scripture for it. Several times in the prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, God refers to his people as his choice vine. And they were so proud of this fact that they even had a golden grapevine decorating the entrance to the holy place in the temple on the facade of the door. And 
If you wanted to add to that grapevine, you could. You could donate money to add a grape or a leaf or a cluster to that grapevine. And they were very proud of this, this fact that they were the vine. So when Jesus says to them, I am the true vine, this was new. What is he saying here? See, the vine gives life to the branches, right? That's where the life comes from, from the vine. Jesus is saying, look, you can't be your own life source. I'm the true vine. I know you think it's you. And you've tried all your life to take pride in all the things that make you think you can direct your own life and you can be okay through your own okayness. And you can't. I'm telling you, I'm the true vine. I'm the only life source for you. This is the announcement he's making here. This is something very new to them. You mean I can't be my own source? I'm not the force? <laughs> I mean, they were literally adorning the temple with their beautiful gold, their, their righteousness, their everything they bring. See that cluster? Yeah, we donated that. See, 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 what I, see what I can do. See, see what all I can bring. I'm, see all the things I am and I do that, that make me okay. And Jesus say, is saying, no. No, you're not, you're not your own life source. You can't ever be. I'm the true vine. And he says, and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is speaking this as a God-man, he has set aside his divine privileges to come and live on this earth at this point in time to be human like us while he's still God. But he's living as a human, and he is submitting himself to the vine dresser. What's a vine dresser? If you do the research, a vine dresser is, is the person who trains and cultivates the vine to trail along, you know, trellises and, and, and uh, things and cultivates the soil to grow really good grapes. That's the vine dresser. And we're going to talk more about this father as the vine dresser in a few minutes. But let's go on. In verse 2, Jesus says, first he defines the vine and the vine dresser. And then what he's going to do is he is going to assign fruitfulness to the branches. So in verse 2, he says, every branch in me... So he is speaking specifically to branches in him, those who have joined their lives to Jesus Christ. And that includes into the fellowship of the body of Christ, his church. So when he says every branch in me, he's speaking to those who have said, yes, I have decided to join my life to Jesus Christ. That's the audience. And he says every branch in me that does not bear fruit he, that is the vine dresser, takes away. Whoa. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bring forth more fruit. Here's the thing about grapes, grape vines. It's a unique plant in that the wood, the vine, which is a, a woody vine, it's good for nothing without fruit. It's a worthless plant. I mean, Jesus could have compared us to a great cedar tree or an oak. 
something that without any fruit, it would still be useful, right? You can make a good solid piece of furniture with a cedar or an oak. But he compared us to a vine. And what he's doing and comparing us to a grapevine is saying, without fruit, you're pretty, pretty unuseful. Pretty unuseful. Nothing to offer. And so he's saying the consequence of not bearing fruit is that it'll be taken away. Then there's kind of this parenthesis, and it's a strange verse that I, I never really understood until now, I think. In verse 3, he says, by the way, almost, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What does that mean? I think he's saying, you know what? All the word that I have given you thus far has been cleansing to you. If you take me at my word, you've been made clean. You've been set apart, cleansed. So in other words, this is not what this is about. This is now about, okay, now let's go on to bear fruit. This is not about cleansing. You're already clean. The, The word of truth washes and cleanses you. There are lots of verses that speak to this. He's saying, so let's talk about now bearing fruit. Because, see, we get stuck on being clean. So much so that we're so consumed with that. Oh, I'm not... You know, I don't have it all together. I've got, I've got dirt. And Jesus is saying, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you, if you'll receive it and believe it. So now let's talk about bearing fruit. Verse 4, abide in me. There's a word for today, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So now he's defined the vine, he's assigned the vine fruitfulness, and now he's going to tell us how to do that, how to bear fruit. And the word he uses is abide. It's a Greek word. It simply means stay. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. And you'll bear fruit. Just as in the natural, a married couple cannot bear children if they're not together, Jesus is saying, stay close to me. If you want to bear spiritual fruit, abide in me. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like. Because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And let's look at verse 5. Jesus says, he reminds us, I am the vine. And we know now that he's the only vine. The only vine means of us ever producing any kind of good spiritual fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I love that he he doesn't just say bears fruit. He says bears much fruit. That's a really good tree or plant when there's much fruit. And then he says this, and this is where I really want to emphasize today this next statement. And if you, if you look at it as though for the very first time, it's really quite shocking what he says here. At the end of verse 5, Jesus says, For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. See, look, it's not enough to just believe that God exists. A lot of people do. 
What's important is, do you believe what God said? Do you believe what he says? If I went right now into the streets of any city and just started polling people and saying, hey, you know, do you believe, do you believe in God? Most people in America would say, they would at least say, yeah, I think there's, I think there's something out there. I think there's something more. And some might even say, oh, yes, I'm a believer. I said the prayer. Right? I asked Jesus into my heart, I'm a Christian. But if I were to ask a different question, if I were to say, well, do you believe what he said? Okay, good. That's great that you believe in God. But do you believe what he said? Because he actually said, and I quote, without me, you can do nothing. Okay, that's a whole different question. Now the person has to make a decision. Do I really believe this? Because if it's true and if I really believe that without God in my life, without a constant connection to the vine, I actually can't do anything. See, that's quite a different question, isn't it? But let's think about what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. First of all, he says you can do nothing. Actually, I can do a lot of things without God, and I have. Big mistake, right? Can I do anything of eternal value? No, and that's what Jesus is saying. Without me, you can actually do nothing in this life that is of any lasting eternal value. The things that really count, the things that really matter, the things that will carry into eternity, you can't do any of that without me. You cannot be who I actually designed and created and planned and purposed for your life. You can't do that without me. That's what he's saying. What he's also not saying is, he's not saying, and this is what a lot of people believe, and it's wrong. He is not saying, without my teachings, you can do nothing. He's not saying, without me as a good example to follow, Jesus, the great moral teacher of the Bible. Jesus, the founder of Christianity. He's not saying that at all. No, he's saying, without me. Without me, personally present in your life, without me in your life, every day, you can do nothing. That's quite a statement. And it should move us to a place of deciding, I either believe this or I don't. And if I believe this, I am now going to live my life as though I believe it. I am going to live and act like without Jesus in my life, closely connected to him, I can do nothing. And I don't dare even try. So he's told us how to do it. And now he's going to go on and develop this thought of abiding in the vine. But first there's a warning in verse 6. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone does not maintain this close personal connection with my presence every day, in other words, he says three things will happen to that person. There's a commentator who defined these three, three things that happened to this. This was, I think, in my Thomas Nelson study Bible. Three things will happen to that person. Number one, he is, uh, he is cast out as a branch. 
that's no more fellowship. I mean, if you're cast out as a branch, you're not connected with the body of Christ anymore. You have lost fellowship with the body of Christ, which is your nourishment. So that's the first thing. He's cast out as a branch, and he's withered. That's a loss of vitality, a loss of that zest for life, that, that joy for living that comes with being connected to the vine. And then the third thing is they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That's a loss of reward. That's a loss of eternal reward. I don't think it's a loss of salvation. I think it's a loss of reward for not being fruitful. And that's exactly what they did with grapevines at this point. And this, there, there was no Hobby Lobby to go buy a $5 grapevine wreath. <laughs> they burned them. The dead branches were burned, useless, cast out. So there's the warning. But Jesus doesn't stay there because he's got this confidence that the vine dresser is at work, is at work to prune us. Oh, isn't it so fun? So verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, hence the memorization, getting it into your spirit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. What? Does that mean really? Seriously? I can ask whatever I want? Jesus will do it for me? No. It's a matter of if you're connected to him, if you are really abiding with him, your desires will come his desires, and you'll ask for the right thing. That's as simple as that. And he goes on, and he says in verse 8, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Let's talk about this fruit for a minute, just in case, just in case you still might have this idea that, you know, this sounds really good, but I, I really got this. You know, I really got this. I can, I can actually, I think I can bear fruit. I can produce good spiritual things in my life without this kind of connection that she's talking about, like God as a personal God, relationship. No, I don't know. That's like I get that, but no. I really think I'm good on my own. I think I can do this on my own. Just in case you might be thinking that, let's take a look at this fruit. It's in Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit, that is the fruit that it can only be produced by the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and by being closely connected to the vine, abiding in the vine, here's the fruit. You tell me which one of these you have ever been able to produce on your own. Let's look at them. Because, for instance, the word nice, it's not in here. I can be nice. I might grip my teeth. I might roll my eyes at you secretly. I can be nice apart from him, and that's not fruit. That's like fake fruit. That's like the fruit-shaped candy. <laughs> but what's real fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is first of all love. This is unconditional love. You tell me how well we are doing if we try at loving the worst people unconditionally. Can you do it on your own? I can't. 
And if you think you can, you will be tested to show you that you can't. Have you found that out? Love, joy, another fake fruit that's not in this list is happiness. I can do that on my own. Get a few things, buy a few things, do a few things, make a few things, make some things happen that make me happy, and I'm happy. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's not joy. Joy is joy. Joy is not dependent on what's happening. I can't produce that on my own. When things are going absolutely horrible in my life, it is possible to still produce the fruit of joy in my life if I'm connected to the vine. Because the vine tells me, it feeds into me, what is reality. When my reality looks very different. The vine says, oh no, here's the eternal reality. You are loved and it's going to be okay. And that produces joy. That's just love and joy. But then there's peace. Come on, how good are are we at peace? Really? Can we really always be peaceful all the time? On our own. Fail. Peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Kindness is, is showing goodness to someone when they don't deserve it. I can't do that on my own. I just can't. It's a fruit of the Spirit produced by the Holy Spirit in me as I stay connected to the vine. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm really busted right there. That is a problem for me. I'll speak for myself if I'm not connected to the vine. You know, you might look at that one and say, oh, I, you know, I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty self-controlled. Okay, well, what about goodness? Because what you actually just said is that you can produce your own goodness that's good enough for a perfectly holy God. Really? And so what God will do is he will show us that we desperately need to be connected to the vine. Otherwise, we can do nothing and we can be nothing. Now, this might sound very challenging. It might even sound almost discouraging when you realize, you know, I've seen this, I know this, I've known, like, maybe you've memorized this passage before, and maybe you just haven't seen it worked out in your life. Like, you get the concept. And that's where Jesus answers that question. Really, how does this work? Let's go on to verse 9. Jesus now explains how this all comes together. He says, as the Father, and this is, I want you to just pay attention to this verse. This is one of my life verses. This verse still grabs me every time. I can't, I, I can't, I can barely wrap my mind around this verse, but I want it to sink in until it really changes me. In verse 9, Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. And now he's saying, Abide in that love. Abide in that love. Can you imagine? Jesus loves us exactly the same way that the Father loves him. It sounds too good to be true. 
But what he's saying is the only way you can do any of this is if you know this and if you abide in that truth. You latch on to that, you connect yourself to that, and you stay hooked up to that truth every day until it starts to feed the branch, and that branch starts to grow, first the leaves and then the fruit. Wow, I am loved to the same degree and in the exact same way that the Father loves the Son. How can that be? I don't know. I just need to believe that it's true and let it start producing fruit in me as I stay connected and abiding in that. He says in verse 10, now look, this is, we need to look at this verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is a verse that one can really struggle with if you don't understand it. Because if you, if you take this verse and you lift it out of context, if you just cherry pick it right out of the passage, and if you just look at it on, at the surface, it sounds something like, hey, look, if you do all the things, if you have your act together completely, then I will love you. Doesn't it kind of look like it's saying that? But see, we need to keep it in context with the word of God because if that's what it means, then it completely contradicts the entire word of God that makes us clean. That's not the gospel. If that's true, why did Jesus die for our sins? Why did he absorb into himself all our sin and then say, now you're clean because I'm your atoning sacrifice? It would completely eliminate the entire gospel of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. But what we need to do is, first of all, just switch that around because it means the exact same thing. Let's read it this way. If you will abide in my love, you will keep my commandments. Why? Because keeping God's commandments is a natural byproduct of his love. We obey him because we love to, because it's joyful, because it's just natural. Like, why would I, how would I not want to please God when I know how much he loves me? But that might not be enough to convince you that this is not a, a sudden switch on Jesus' part, a sudden trick that he's playing, where it's like, oh, by the way, though, you still have to be good enough for me. No, it's not that at all. Let me see if I can if I can explain it. See, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Well, what's his commandment? What did the man say to Jesus in, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six? 36? Hey, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if his greatest commandment is love me, then I think what he's saying here is if you love me, then you will stay in my love because it, was, it will so change your life, you will never want to leave it. I think what he's saying here is to be loved by God is to love God. And I think what he's saying is to love God is to be loved by him. Are you confused? Maybe I can help. I said to Dave, because I wanted to test this out and see if I really understood this right, because I know God has given us marriage as a model for how he loves the church, right? So, and he's, he calls himself a husband in scripture. So I said to Dave, I said, honey, you know, the Bible says, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
or if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I said, as your wife, is there any one commandment, requirement, that you would say you require of me? Like, if you could boil it down to one thing, what commandment, if you will, would you ask of me as your wife to be a good wife? They just looked at me for a minute, and I said, you know, come on, just like one thing, like, would it be keep the house clean, make a pot roast every couple months, have dinner ready when you get home from work? What would it be? And first he said, follow Jesus. I said, no, 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 no. That's what God requires of me. I'm talking to the husband. What does the husband require of me? What's your one commandment that you would want me to keep as your wife? All of a sudden he smiled and he said, love me. Love me. Boom. That's it. That's what he wants. That's what a good husband needs and wants, and that's what a good God needs and wants from you and me. Love me. Love me. If anyone keeps my commandment to love me, he will abide in my love because he will find out, oh, how wonderful and life-changing that love of God is, that unconditional love of God. He's a personal God. He's a lover. And all he asks is love me, and what's the second commandment? Love my kids. <laughs> like any good husband. Love my people. I know they'll make you crazy, but they're your brothers and sisters. Love me and love your brothers and sisters. Love your neighbor. That's it. Do you see now how this changes this? If anyone, if you keep my commandment to love me and love my people, you will abide in my love. Does that mean if we stop loving God, he stops loving us? No, it means we stop abiding in his love. If I take off and leave home for a while and go gallivanting all over the country, Dave's not going to stop loving me, but I will stop abiding in his love because I'm not there to enjoy it. Has it changed his love for me? Oh, no, if anything, absence makes, absence makes the heart grow fonder. What will he do? Will he, will he divorce me? No, he will miss me. He will miss me. He will ask me to come home and stay close. Abide in me. Abide in me. To love God is to be loved by God. If you love him, then you will want to stay in his love. And he says this. This is the end result of it all. Verse 11. These things, all these things, I have spoken to you so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Show me someone who is full of joy and I will show you someone who knows how well loved they are by God. I'm going to say it. It's my life statement. How much would it change your life if you knew how well loved you were by God? How much would it change who you are if you knew, if you knew 
how well loved you are by God. And that his only requirement, his only real commandment is love me. Love me. And everything else will fall into place. God says to you this morning, look, I'll get your stuff together. You quit trying. I'll get you together. I'll put you together. I sat down with a 15-year-old girl. Right, I was, stand, I was talking to a 15-year-old girl last night. And she just, she had been saved and baptized, new Christian, and she just started telling me about all the horrible, tragic things that have happened in her life from the time she was born. This happened to me, and this happened to me, and then a relative did this to me, and someone else did this to me, and this happened to me, and this happened. Just tragic, one tragedy after another, born into complete dysfunction. And finally, I said, look, you've been born again. You've been water baptized. Now you are clean, right? I just want to say this to you. I just want to offer this to you, and I, I hope that you'll take this to heart. I said to her, you need to start taking time every day to sit with God. That's it. You just find a quiet place and space to sit with him and let him hold you. Because I know you've got your therapist, you know, and your counselors, and, I, and I, they have their place, but you know what? They're managing you. They're setting up safety guards so you don't kill yourself and whatever, and that's all fine and good, and, you know, that's good, but only God can heal those wounds in your heart, but he can't if you don't let him. So I would encourage you, I said to her, take time every day and just sit with God. This, I didn't give her a formula. I didn't tell her where to read. I didn't even tell her to read. Because see, once you know how much God loves you, then it's a love letter. Then it's a love letter. You'll want to read. Nobody's got to tell you. I said, take time every day and sit with God. Let him hold you. And as you begin to let it sink in how much he loves you, those wounded, broken places in your heart will begin to be healed. And it's going to take some time, but it will happen. But you've got to be connected to the vine. What was I telling her? I was telling her, abide. Abide in him. Abide in him because a broken branch cannot bear fruit. We are broken, yes, but he can heal us only as we abide in him. Amen. Would you pray with me? Just want to take a moment to sit with God. If you are that unfruitful branch, maybe that withering branch,
and you know you need to be connected to the vine in a way that you never have before. If that is even a concern of yours today, I want to first of all tell you, you have not been cast out. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a concern. You've not been cast out. You have not completely withered. You have not been thrown into the burn pile. Oh, no. Would you pray this with me today? Father God, I recognize that you, as the vine dresser, and by the way, in the old King James, that's actually called the husbandman. How amazing is that? Father God, I am that branch that has become so disconnected from the vine that I'm not even sure who I am or what I'm doing. But I want to produce lasting fruit in my life. But more than that, I want to know and love you and the way that your word says that you love me. I want to really believe that. I want to understand that. Would you reveal your love for me, God, in such a way that I will be that fruitful branch, just enjoying your life that you pour into me every day? I'm returning to you today, Father God. Jesus, I'm returning to you, and I want to start abiding in you. I need you. I believe you when you say, without you, I can do nothing. Would you help me start abiding in you, Lord? Show me what that means. Show me what it means to enjoy you, Lord. And help me believe that you enjoy me. <laughs> you created me for your pleasure. That's why we were created, for his pleasure. Oh, Father God, you are not the God who just wanted a housekeeper. And we try so hard to keep house in our heart of hearts. And then we condemn ourselves, ourselves when we fail. But that's other gods. It's not you. You are the lover. You are the good husband, the good God. You are the God who says, love me. Just love me. Just love me. Just come close and stay close so that I can show you and begin to teach you fully how much I love you. Will you just let me love you? We say yes, Lord. We say yes. The fruit bearing is not all up to us. It's up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come up. Take a place on the front row. We will pray with you. We will minister to you. Otherwise, be dismissed and have a good week.